Welcome to the Encounter Community Church Podcast, where we take God's Word and look at how we can utilize, practically apply it, and implement it into our lives. Welcome back to the Encounter Community Church Podcast. My name is Ken Ballard Jr. I am the pastor here at Encounter Community Church, and we're going to start off the podcast this week a little bit differently. I want to ask just a simple question. And, and encourage you to reflect on it. Who would you be if your life were in a vacuum? What would you be if your life were in a vacuum? And just think about those two questions. Who would you be if your life were in a vacuum? And what would you be if your life were in a vacuum? Now, here's the reason why I ask that question is we're in the middle of this series that we've been doing called rock solid faith in a shaky world and and basically what we've been doing over the last few weeks is we have been looking at what are the elements that you hear in someone's story of a person that has a rock solid faith like there were some elements that are there that were a part of the formulation of their faith that as a result of those things when they went through something difficult when they went through something hard when they went through something impossible they were able to persevere through whatever the challenge was and come out on the other side better having grown and developed and even in the midst of that struggle you look at them and they were rock solid. You look at them and although you should be encouraging them, they're actually encouraging you. That there is this strength that they have that you look at their life and you admire them and you think, man, if I went through something like what it is that they're going through, I don't know what that would do to me. And, and I wish that I could have the kind of strength that they have. So how do I get there? And that's what we've been looking at. And so over the last three weeks, here are the things that we've said. We've said that in order for us to have that kind of faith, it's very important that we begin to implement the things that we learn about faith. That's why at Encounter, we do our best to make our messages as practical as possible. Because what we wanna do is we wanna give you handles that you can grab a hold of and walk away with and beginning to think about, okay, if I were to do this element in my life, then here is the benefit of it. Here is what it would produce. Here are the challenges. And that's one of the things, again, I love about the teachings of Christ. And it's, again, one of the things that you'll find is when people would hear him, they would say, man, he teaches with such authority. And I think the reason why is because they knew, like, okay, This is what it means to love my wife. This is what it means to love my husband. This is what it means to love God. This is what it means to help my fellow man. This is what it means. And and, and you can go through the list, but every time someone listened to Jesus, they walked away with something concrete that they could immediately apply to their lives and see change happen. And so that was the first thing that we saw 
for people that have a rock solid faith is they begin to implement the things that they learned about scripture and learned about Jesus, learned about who he is. And as a result of that, they begin to see that, man, when I implement these things, this is how God comes through. This is how God fulfills his promise. This is how my life changed as a result of it. So they continue to live out in that way and it, form, it formulizes their faith. The other thing that we saw for people who have a rock solid faith is they got involved in ministry and they served others. Maybe not necessarily a ministry, but they did maybe some kind of charity work. Uh, maybe they did some kind of humanitarian work. Uh, maybe they went like on a mission trip or something like that. But what happened is they began to serve and they found themselves at this place where they began to see like solid growth happen in their lives because they did something that they didn't necessarily feel qualified to do. They did something that they didn't necessarily feel the ability to be able to do. They did something where the skills weren't necessarily there, but they decided to go for it anyway. And then they began to see how God showed up big in that moment for them in their life. And what that did is that solidified their faith and they saw that God was trustworthy. And not only that, by serving others, what they begin to find is as they're investing in others and they're making a difference in their life and they're seeing how their lives are changing as a result of it, they're, they're able to be on the front lines. They see God at work and they're seeing God move. They're seeing God shaping people. They're seeing God restoring marriages. They're seeing God help those who struggle with addiction. They're seeing God actively moving and shaping. And, and as a result of that, they begin to see that, wow, God, if you're at work in their life, and I've been a party of that, like I've been able to be someone who encouraged that, then Lord, you can work in my life as well. So there is this trust that was built in him. So now I, I just want to dig into that a little bit further. Because there is another dynamic that happens when you have people that you work with and that you serve with. There is an opportunity to build the kind of relationships that we are designed to have. And let me ask you this question. Let me put it this way. Do you have someone in your life that arrived at just the right moment. Someone that you can go back and you can look at and that you can say, hey, at that moment in my life, there's that person that arrived. And because of that, there are some elements in me that, are, that have been formed where I wouldn't be where I was, where I'm at today. Maybe they gave you an opportunity that you normally wouldn't have had on your own. Maybe they introduced you to someone that you never would have met on your own. I've heard so many stories of people who were like, I'm not going on your blind date. No, I am not interested. And then they go, and then they meet the person of their blind date, and they think, oh my goodness, why was I so resistive? <laughs> and they end up marrying the person of their blind. Now, I know that there are times when blind dates don't get it right. I, I get it. People think they know you and they don't. But there are moments 
where you meet the love of your life because someone saw something in them, they saw something in you, and they thought, ooh, those two would match really well together. And they were right. And they were right. And I've heard so many stories of people saying, yeah, I am so grateful for so-and-so because they introduced me to my wife or they introduced me to my husband. What about your skills or your abilities? Are there certain skills that you've built in your life that you never would have built on your own? You never would have built on your own. Certain things that you learn. I remember being in the backyard many, many years ago with my father-in-law while we were renovating our house. And I just, I just asked him, I said, Frank, how do you know all the things that you know how to do? And he said, I don't know. I guess I've just been around a lot of people that have showed me how to do what it is that I know how to do. And I was like, man. So, and I did. I, I basically stood on his coattails and just tried to learn as much from him as possible. God bless his soul. But he was. He was amazing in that way. How many people do we know that are like that? That we ask them, like, how did you get to this point? And they could say, look, I can attribute it because I had this math teacher that inspired me, that caused me to love math. Or I had this boss that caused me to believe in myself and believe in my skills and believe in my abilities, that they saw the raw potential in me and began to invest in me and gave me these incredible tools that now I am so thankful for because they have formed me into the person that I am today. So grateful for that boss that I had. I could say the same thing. I could say the same thing. Back in 1996, I was asked to join the staff of a church and get involved in the church. Actually, 1996, I was asked to be involved in a ministry at a church. Eventually, that opened up in 1999, where I became a, a staff member of that church. And the pastor was a man named Jimmy Cheney. And I will tell you that for, for many, many years, Jimmy Cheney was a father figure to me. That he was someone that God brought into my life at the exact time that I needed it. Because what he helped to do was, in many ways, was to lay a foundation for the kind of person that I am today, to see ministry the way that I do today. There were some things that were built. And so I am, I'm really grateful for the time that I had with him and for the investment that he made in me. And I was able to work with him for 17 years involved at the ministry of the church that we were involved with. So grateful, so grateful for that. So I look at all of those things and I began to just examine my life. And I think if you were to do that too, you have those people that have come along. Because being in a vacuum, you really don't grow that way. It's interesting in America because we talk about like self-reliance and pulling yourself up by your bootstrap. Now there is a certain responsibility that we have to help ourselves to be able to grow and to be the best that we can be. There, there, there is, I mean, there's, there's no doubt about that, but the truth is no one, absolutely, no one is ever a success based upon their sole ability alone. No one. There's always an intersection in their story where they cross paths with someone. And so that's really what I really want to encourage you today. 
There is this movement that says, I don't need church to know Jesus. And it is true. You really don't need church to know Jesus. But the thing that you don't realize is there are some elements and components that happen in church that really don't happen in other places. And, and part of that element is this motivation to become the best version of yourself by being involved with others and walking through this journey with others. Now, I know, I know that there are people who come to that conclusion that they don't need church because they've experienced painful things that have caused them to say, I don't want to do this church thing. I, I, I get that. I get that. And church, we do need to get better at it. We do need to get better at the way that we interact with others because we've done more to push people away, unfortunately, more recently than we have to draw them near. So we do have some work to do. But as I've said before, and you know the old adage, you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Who came up with that adage? Now that I think about it, it seems a little dark, doesn't it? <laughs> you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just guessing. Has that ever actually happened? Oops, I threw out the baby with the bathwater. Oh man, has that really ever happened? I hope not. I don't know. Maybe that's why the saying came up because it did. I don't. It's, it's like one of those things where you see. I went to a, a national park once, and they had in their newspaper that you read. They have like a guide that you read, and they were saying things like, "If you see a bear, please don't go up and pet it." <laughs> like what? You have, to, you have to tell people that. Please don't go up and pet the bear. Like that should kind of be. It's not like, "Hey, Yogi." <laughs> Come here, let me rub your head. Like, that should just kind of be a given. Don't walk up to a wild animal. I can just totally see that, and I'm sorry, I'm digressing. But there are just people that God does. He, he brings into our life at just the right moment to encourage us and build us. And, and that's the thing that church is really designed to do is this church, if it's ran the right, right way, and, and no church is perfect. Let me make that really clear. It's not. But it should motivate us to look at how we can get better at loving others and becoming that person of connection. When you read through the Gospels, one of the things that you'll see that is a major component of the Gospels is relationships. You see that. If there's anyone who was qualified to come to this earth and do it all by himself, I'd say that person is Jesus. I'd say it's Jesus. But he didn't. When he started his ministry, the very first thing that he did was he found 12 guys to invest in. And of those 12... Peter, James, and John, he pulled out those three, he singled them out and really invested in them. And they all became rock solid in the church and its foundation. So if, if Jesus focused on building relationships, how much more should we? 
And again, and I mentioned this on Sunday, as you begin to read through the New Testament, actually throughout the entire scriptures, you see relationships. You see Moses and Aaron. You see David and Nathan. David and Joab. I mean, we could go through the list of people. David and Jonathan. We also see in the New Testament, we see Paul and Silas, Paul and Timothy. We, we see Barnabas and Mark. Like we could go through and we could just see the list of people who were able to connect and do really, really great things for God. And, and part of that was it happened in the context of relationships and connections. Now, I, I do want to make this really clear. I think that it's important because I, I, I don't want us to, to do this where we're so involved that we lose our sense of self. Because I think sometimes that's to feel like, what if I get so involved in the life of others and I know that I need others and I need to grow in others, but what happens if I lose sight of me? Again, look at the life of Jesus. And you'll see that Jesus had that balance. That there are times where Jesus would pour himself into others, but there will also be times where Jesus would step off and step out and go to be by himself, to collect himself. And also read Jesus, read his story, and you will see that there is no one who had a greater sense of identity and who he was than Jesus. So I think it's important for us to understand that it can be both, that it can be that you develop the sense of identity and who you are and be confident in that, but also part of that. And I think it is true. I think part of finding ourselves does happen within the context of relationships. But, but there is, a, I think it is important, and I would agree that we do need to find that balance where we are connected with others, we're building relationships with others, but we're also finding some level of autonomy in certain parts so we, that we're, we're able to grow and focus on our identity and become confident in who we are. I wanna make that really clear. I think sometimes as pastors, we have to be careful because we could preach a message of codependence. So I don't wanna do that. But also, we can teach a message that leans too far on independence. See, I think when we get it right, as a believer, we're codependently independent. <laughs> if, we, if we can get it that way, oh, that could be a title for a book, Codependently Independent. I, I like that. But there is that element of this gathering, this connection, these relationships. And the truth is we really can't, we really can't do it alone. I love this passage in Hebrews chapter three, verse one. It says, and so dear brothers and sisters who belong to God and are partners with those called to heaven. Think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger and high priest. We're partners in this. We're partners in this. I think the greatest threat to the church today is this level of division that has snuck its way into church that we see within culture. The greatest thing that Satan can do is cause a church to be divided. The greatest thing. 
But, but what if we were to do this? What if we were to see that we're partners in this? We're partners in making a difference for Christ. And as a partner, I don't need to agree with everything that you believe. Is it possible for an anti-vaxxer and one who's vaccinated to be partners in the gospel? Yes. An anti-masker and a mask wearer to be partners in the gospel? Yes. It is possible. I don't know why we have allowed this thing to drive this wedge between us. And it is kind of growing in our society where if you don't agree with me, you're the enemy and it's not healthy. I've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into it too much now. But I, I just want us to understand that's the idea of being a partner. I, I don't need to agree on everything, every dot and tittle. But we, what we have to do is we have to understand that there's a bigger picture. There's a bigger picture called eternity. There's a bigger picture called salvation. There's a bigger picture called Jesus Christ. And if we focus on these issues that are in the grand scheme of things, in the grand scheme of eternity, anti-vaxxer and vaxxer, it's not going to matter. It's not going to matter. But what will matter is what do we do with our lives and the opportunity to lead people towards Jesus. But we're partners in this. We can walk hand in hand, arm in arm, yet still agreeing to disagree because we understand that there's something bigger. Now, they may be six feet from each other <laughs> and socially distanced, but we're doing it together. We're doing it together. So I love that aspect. We're partners in this. And that's the picture that you get when you read through the scriptures. Paul and Timothy, partners. Paul and Silas, partner. Peter and James, Peter and John, partners. That's the imagery that we get. So again, I, I guess it goes back to what I was saying on Sunday, and I want to ask this question as well. Who are you thankful for that are in your life? And who is thankful for you that you were involved in their life as well? Because that's part of it. Part of developing a rock-solid faith is the relationships that we develop and that we build and that we connect with. And those people that inspire us to look at our hearts, inspire us to look at our lives that cause us to understand that I am where I am or I'm going where I'm going because of this person that is in my life. I love what it says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. You've heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. What makes someone trustworthy? It's very simple. They're applying the truths. They're applying the truths. And then as they're learning those truths, they're taking those truths and they're sharing with others. Who is hearing the truth that you've learned in your life? You've learned how to be a better husband. Great. How are you helping that young husband who just got married or that her husband is 
struggling, maybe in ways that are similar to yours. You've learned how to be a great wife. Great. How are you helping other women to become great wives? You've learned how to overcome your addiction. Great. How are you helping someone overcome theirs? You've learned how to be patient. Great. Who are you helping to learn how to be patient? We, we can go through the list, right? Your story is meant to intersect with someone else's story and help them to be able to grow. And here's the thing that you'll find. The more that you invest in others, the more you'll also invest in your faith. The more that you invest in others. And at this point here, I'm not talking about ministry, but here's what can happen, is as you do ministry with people, you begin to connect and build relationships with someone. And how does that grow to become a partnership where now that person's life is changed or has changed because of the investment that you were able to make into them. How does that come about? How does that happen? How does that happen? So I do, I, I want to encourage you just to think about that. Think about who can you share your story with? If you've had success in some element of your life, who can you look at and see that has that raw talent or raw ability? Maybe even someone who others have discarded. Maybe even someone who others have disqualified. And, and, and maybe there may be some work in there because of what has to be done. But just imagine what their life could be. Just imagine what their life could be because of the investment that you've made into them. Which brings us to Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25. Verse 25, we're all familiar with. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I have heard of pastors who have said, you know, we have had so many people, Christians from our church that are sending us this passage. Let us not forsake the gathering together of believers. We need to start meeting once again and gathering as a church once again. Yeah, and I, and I get all that. But here's the thing. I think verse 24 is really powerful. But it's sandwiched in 23. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm. For God can be trusted to keep his promise. That's 23, 25. And let us not neglect our meeting together. Some people do. Beautiful ends of the sandwich. But the meat of the sandwich, verse 24 says this. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Think about that. How are we encouraging one another? How are we building one another? How are we stretching one another? 
Let's look at ways to motivate one another. The whole goal of gathering is not for the sake of gathering. The whole of gathering is for the sake that I become a better person because I've gathered. That's the goal. And we're motivating one another to grow, to change, to do great things for God, for his glory. So what is that one person that you can kind of grab their arm and you can walk side by side in ministry to help them begin to further who they are and who they can be because of the fact that you have allowed God to work in you and motivate them and encourage them. And I love what it says here in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. I think this is a passage that as a church, we should probably do some self-reflecting on. I think we've gotten really great at shooting our wounded. We've really gotten great at discounting those who fail and falter and fall. The goal of this, I love that, gently and humbly. 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 Because here's the truth. We all are going to need grace at some moment. We all are going to need forgiveness at some moment. We all are. And so if you have that brother or sister in Christ who is stumbling, rather than casting stones, how about reaching out and saying, hey, I'm here to walk through this journey of recovery with you, to restore, to rebuild, to gain, to strengthen. But that's part of the beauty of this. And this is what I want to encourage you to do is just think about that. Who is thankful that you are in their life? And who are you thankful for that has been in your life? Let's take what we've gained and invest that into others. Again, thank you so much for being a part of this podcast. Thank you so much for the opportunity to encourage you. I was walking this morning and someone asked this question. And they asked, what would church be like if every member of the church were just like me? What would my work be like if every coworker were just like me? What, and we could just go through the list, right? What would my country be like if every person, blah, 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 blah. What if, though? I, I want to change that question. What would my church be like if I worked 
to become the best version of myself. And in the process, I grab the hand of someone else on their journey to help them become the best version of themselves that we're in this together. How beautiful, how beautiful would that be? That's what church is all about. That, my friends, is what church is meant to be. And if that were the kind of church that people saw, you think people would be attracted to it? You think people would flock to it? You see people that are, are being role models, investing, encouraging, supporting. If someone fails to be there, to hold their hand, to guide them through, to help them to develop, to help them to grow. Just imagine how beautiful that would look. Because I think that's the kind of church people are looking for. Wouldn't you agree? I see you shaking your head, yes. <laughs> I would agree. But again, thank you for this opportunity to be able to encourage you. If you're listening to this podcast on our website, thank you so much for doing so. I just want to encourage you, you can go to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and just follow us or subscribe to us there. That way when we post a new podcast, you'll be one of the first ones to be notified, and you'll get, hopefully, a weekly dose of encouragement from the podcast that we do. And then also, I wanted to encourage you as well just to begin to make it a point that with the podcast that you hear, try to find that one application that you can walk away with and begin to implement it into your life. And maybe that application might be, you know what, Ken, I'm going to do that. I'm going to take whatever success that I have. And let me tell you, you don't have to be a CEO or a pastor or someone that we can look at and we can say, well, that person has success. No, 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 no. If you're a mom and you've learned how to navigate some things with your children, you're a success. You're a success. So even in those small things that we've been able to gain and grow, share, tell, and build. So with that in mind, I just wanted to let you know that encounters about three things. Love up. Let's fall madly and passionately in love with God. Love out. Let's love others. Let's serve together. Let's partner together. Let's invest in one another. Let's build each other up. And love in. Again, what you'll find is when we're doing the first two, you'll find things that you love about yourself. Well, take care. God bless you. And we'll see you once again next week. Thank you so much for joining us for the Encounter Community Church podcast. If you could do us a favor, whatever service it is that you're listening to this podcast on, please rate and review us. If there's anything that we can do better, please let us know. But by rating and review, it also make our podcast easier for others to be able to find. If you would like to support us at Encounter financially, 
with what it is that we're doing to make a difference in our community, whether it's the mobile food bank, whether it's serving at North High School, or making a difference, again, in our community, feel free to head over to our website, encountercommunity.church, click the link that says online giving. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. That way, when we post new live streams or new vlogs, you'll be updated. As well as please head over to Facebook and like our page. That way, when we post new podcasts, again, new vlogs, new live streams, or have church events, you'll be updated and know what's going on here at Encounter. As we said before, thank you so much. We're so glad to have you with us, and we look forward to you being a part of the podcast next week.